Raised under the wings of her mama in Ahuriri, Te Kahukuro Boynton is currently studying a Bachelor of Law in Hamilton. While sharing beautiful gems, her knowledge and her passion around financial literacy to help Nai Māori become financially free. In year 11, Te Kahukura started the Māori Millionaire blog where she wrote little pieces about where she was saving her money, how much money she had and would calculate her net worth. At the start of 2022, she decided to take it further and now has her blog, a podcast and is also very present on all forms of social media to help others gain a better understanding of the financial world, the stock market, savings, investments and how to make your money work for you. Make sure you check out MightyMillionaire.com or search Mighty Millionaire on all social media platforms. Kia ora, I'm Iria Rangi and welcome to Oho Mauri. Oho Mauri is where I'll be having koirero with some kick-ass people who were raised urban and their journey to discovering their tuakiri. From stories of disconnection and loss of identity to finding themselves and standing proud in who they are. Come along with me on this journey of awakening the mana and power of standing strong in who you are. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Oho Modi. Today I'm really excited because today's interview is going to share a lot of knowledge based on and making connections back to who we were before colonization. But also I, I've really been looking forward to this corridor because I want to uh, gain some knowledge for myself as well. And so if I can get you to introduce yourself a little bit. So, Māori ora i te whānau, ko te kahukura Boynton tōku ingoa, eri tēnei nō ngā te kahungunu ngā tūkua i te whakatohi a hoki, um, i tipuaki au i Ahuriri, um, i raru i ngā parirau o tōku māma, ko Hana Purina Boynton tōna ingoa. Um, I moved to Tokoroa when I was about 15, and I went to high school there, and I'm living in Hamilton now, studying a Bachelor of Laws. Um, I work part-time at a law firm and we do Waitangi Tribunal claims, so I love my mahi there and just kind of, I'm really keen to grow as, you know, a wahine Māori and, and learn how I can work best for my people and advocate for us and and I just love being Māori. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And um, so first off, if you can share a little bit about your background and just sort of how your upbringing and to get to where you are today. Yeah, so like you, my mum was a um, teacher. She um, taught at primary school when I was a baby and then she moved into high school teaching as I grew up. Um, my brother used to always say like, mum, are you going to follow me around at every school I go to? <laughs> <laughs> she would just move with us kids and and so yeah, she was a teacher, she was an educator, um, and my nanny, May, was too. She was a te reo Māori teacher, and and so I come from a line of strong wahine toa who just, you know, who were always working hard, who were always um, passionate about what they did and, and about giving, and that, you know, nothing is really important if if you're the only receiver of something. And so I was grew up and I grew up under this really strong 
for cardinal of kind of reciprocation and you know I water your plant you water mine and um <laughs> and so I loved my upbringing that was awesome um but one thing that I kind of noticed was that you know as Māori we we always had like we had more in so many senses because you know we have we have cultural identity and we have yeah. we have mātauranga Māori and all these things but one thing I did notice was that we couldn't buy the things that other people could and um, I think that contributed to a lot of the issues that we have in terms of um, housing issues, health issues, uh, academic outcomes, you know, so many of these things and so growing up I saw that and it and it made me really pody because I thought, you know, I love being Māori and we have so much potential as a people and we, you know, we we know how to use science to navigate the seas and stuff. We're like, we are smart people, you know, all <laughs> of us, we're smart and we we can do so much. We, we're we resourceful. We're able to turn, you know, wood into a waka to, you know, travel the seas and stuff. You know, we're an amazing people, but because of how colonisation has impacted us, we're now uh, people who you know, we don't have things and we, we're homeless and we have health issues and and we're doing poorly at Kura and, you know, half of the prison population is Māori. And I just think it's terrible because I can just see so much more potential for us. And so this kind of uh, kind of paved the way for me learning about finance. And I was... Um, quite nerdy growing up you know because my mum was a teacher and so we would have little spelling bees at home and stuff like that <laughs> and um so I loved reading and I was always encouraged to read because my mum hated you know all the gun games and stuff on the <laughs> on um playstations and stuff we weren't allowed um things like that in my house but we were always told to read and so I was always reading books that were like way above my my age group, I guess. You know, I wasn't really one to read, you know, things like, I don't know, those Pakia stories. <laughs> um, I read things like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and other finance books when I was little. And I learned a lot about investing and stocks and the market and and how the housing market works and things like that. And so growing up, I was really mindful about money and how where you spend your money, it really does make a big difference. And, mm-hmm. and I always thought, why aren't we taught this at Kura? Like, yeah. why, why does no one else know about this? Like, you know, and so growing up, I was really, I felt weird because I felt like I knew all these finance things that no one else really understood. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that made me sad because, it was something that was quite simple to me, but um, it also had a lot of impact. Yeah. And I think it's a cause for a lot of pain for lots of people, um, especially Māori. And yeah, so that was kind of the foundation of Māori Millionaire. And when I was, when was it? Well, I started it in about year 11. It was just a blog at that point, And I'd just write little pieces on there about, uh, the different ways I was you know saving my money or how much money I had at this point and I'd calculate my net worth on there and stuff 
it would be like, oh, my net worth is $500. And, <laughs> you know, but um, at the start of this year, I decided to just start taking it a bit more seriously. There was one of my New Year's goals was just to create something cool that other people can access, other people can use, and other people can learn about finance. So now, today, um, it's a blog and podcast, but we're on Instagram and everything. So I'm just trying to grow a community of people who want to grow with their personal finance journeys. Yeah. And because I, so I come across you on Instagram because I was following, oh, what's the other one? There's another, actually, I'll just quickly find it. I can't remember their name right Is it now. another Māori personal finance one? Yeah. Um, um, these hidden figures. Yeah. So I was yeah. following, I've been following the hidden figures for quite a while. And, and then I think you popped up as a suggestion or they had shared something of yours or something like that. And so I, then I jumped on onto your page and I started looking at what you were doing and, and then sort of like stalking and finding mm-hmm. about what you were up to because what you're doing and you're really young. So you're 18. Yeah. 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 And at 18, like if you think about it, well, because I'm not that old, but when I was 18, investments and money wasn't even a a conversation in my household. The only sort of money thing that we got taught was my dad would tell us that if we couldn't buy it with cash, then you didn't get it. Mm -mm. That was the only sort of money thing that my parents invested into us quite a lot. And so I've always had on to that if I can't afford it like straight away or if I have to save for it then I will do that but everything that I have I own because that was something my dad had sort of instilled in us but that was the only financial sort of advice we got given and that was drilled into us hence why like doing APs and stuff we never HP'd anything we never what's the new one now buy now pay later ones yeah all of that sort of stuff we never did that and even when we were growing up lay-by was different to what lay-by is now Whereas labor, you would leave it in the shop, it would stay there, you would pay it off over time. And then once it's fully paid off, then you got the item. And so now yeah. with labor, it's different where it's the same thing. Buy now, pay later. And you have all those schemes. And which is why, our, again, our people get stuck in that cycle of having so much debt and, and not knowing and sort of pretty much having all this, all these bad credit things because they didn't, they don't know how to manage their money. And I one really big point that you did make was the fact that as Māori, as Indigenous people, we have so much mātauranga, we have so much knowledge on, on te tayo and all of that sort of stuff, but that can't buy what you need. And and I guess for us growing up, we we were sort of different where, uh, to the point where we always had everything and we actually had quite a lot more than what we needed but my mum as a teacher would bring home her kids from school and it wasn't it was in the times where you became friends with the parents and stuff like that and so they were always over home but mum always brought home kids who pretty much had nothing and they would come home with her they'd have dinner with us and then that would drop them back to their homes just so that their puku was full my parents raised a lot of my cousins and so our house was always it constantly had someone coming in it and so our cupboards were never empty and even talking with my baby sister, like over the last few years, we've realized that we never were in lack or we were never in need. Our parents always made sure we had what we needed and and they always made sure that everything was provided for us no matter what we did. And so for you, being as like the way you were and like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's only something I started reading in 
maybe the last five years was the first time I read that and I'm sort of mid-30s but the fact that you read that as like a child it shows sort of where your mind was at at that time and 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 the amazing sort of I guess values that you were that were instilled into you by your by your queer and your whanau and your mum and stuff like that and so yeah so for me I'm just learning about investing and and crypto and nfts and stuff like that and how to build that up in order to set my daughter up for later in life and I think you're at a massive advantage where you've already started that and you started that quite a while ago when you were still at high school same with your partner and his business and so I guess yeah for me I've just been in awe of you especially at your age and just watching you I'm not quite sure where this is going but I think it's just the whole fact that it's been so awesome watching and and just learning what you've been doing for the last however many years and just building your yourself to be financially free where you can retire quite young and there was one comment that I did take from one of your one of your podcasts and I think it was your intro one and it was your goal is to empower Māori to become financially independent and we talked just really briefly off ear about how we were that way mm-hmm. we never lacked anything Fano helped other Fano and our power work together in order to um, ensure that everyone was fed and everyone had what they needed to the point now where, like you said, we've got whānau living on the streets. We have the highest prison rates. We have the highest rates for a lot of things, suicide, just so many statistics for our people that shouldn't be there. And um, I guess heading where I'm heading with this is like what your whakaro is or how you think we can get out of sort of the slums of where we're at as a people. Mm, for sure so I think that so there's this kind of facado that I have in my head it's that financial literacy leads to making wise financial decisions making wise financial decisions leads to having putia and then having putia is just a resource which allows you to access everything in this you know in this colonized world we live in so um you know rent or buying a house, um, <clears throat> education, um, access to healthcare, literally anything you can think of that Māori are suffering from money. You know, it's not going to solve every problem, but it, it will help, I think, in order to help change things. Even just, um, like, literally anything. Uh, whānau who have kids who, um, who don't have warm clothes, they're getting more sick. And so money will give them more clothes and give them warm clothes and um, make sure your house is warm and you know just the basic necessities and I think there's this big misconception that if your if your mind is ticking in the finance way that I've been told a lot that like oh do you just like only care about money or like you know is that your only thing and it's like no like money is just a means to be able to to be able to access higher quality of anything and for me it's not about being able to like buy all the bougiest things or like you know things like that it's literally just a resource which we don't have as Māori and it's something that I really want more of us to 
of course I would want to um go on holidays and things and um but um <laughs> but you know that's not my goal in life it's not to be it's not to look rich it's not to you know drive the flashes car I drive a Hyundai gets that like looks like it's gonna blow up sometime <laughs> soon um <laughs> but um you know the goal is just to be able to access the things that we need and to share this with our whānau so you know whānau who think that um well whānau who can't go to uni because they've got to stay home and and look after their nannies and kuros and you know money is a barrier to accessing education you know if if one of us has money we can share this with all of us and and that way we can help our cousins go to uni and our nieces and our nephews and everything like that and I think that one of the most important things about Te Ao Māori is that we share everything and so you know it only takes one of us to be able to do something that one person will teach the rest of us or they'll share their what they have and I think that's the awesome thing about just being Māori is that we can share things. Yeah, and and that's a really good point because I think for us as Māori, we we think intergenerational, so we don't think just about us and now and what's going to happen for us and we build in this world just for us and our partners or whatever. We think about, okay, what about the next four generations that come after me? I don't want to be leaving them my debt that they're carrying on for the next four or five generations. And, and then we're just in this big, massive cycle of, of working just to pay our bills and stuff like that. And, and it's, it's one thing that I learned over the last couple of years was that I think our view on what's important and sort of a colonized view of what's important are, are two very different things where uh, if you think um, if you look at like a Pākehā viewpoints, they have to have certain things, and but that's just for them. It's not to share with mm. whoever. It's literally just for them because that makes their portfolio look good, but then they're not thinking about, okay, what can I do with this in order to give to my children or, or in order to pass on to um, to help my siblings or whatever. Whereas, yeah, like you said, I said, we as Māori, we are thinking, okay, if I do good, then my brother's going to do good. My parents are going to do good. Um, I'm going to pull someone up from below me and help them learn or sort of give back to them as well. I think what, and it was through what you were talking about, I something I thought about was what, if anything, or like have you ever thought about how, we could help our whānau who are living sort of bottom end of the scale who or who um and we see it it's a it's a never-ending cycle where you have whānau who are on the benefits and then it just becomes a cycle and they they don't get out of it because they don't know any other way but like you said they don't have that financial literacy to be able to pull themselves out of that position and so that just is just a never-ending cycle for them so do you have any whakaro or um, any views on how you think we can better help our whānau who need a lot of help, mm. not just financially, but their minds and just yeah. changing the, the way they think? So I think that um, whilst I, 
you know, do have a financial blog and podcast, I think that everything is intertwined. And if you just think back to like te whare tapafa, yeah. you know, if your if your health is paying up, you can't go to work, which is going to impact your finances. And everything is just intertwined. And so the fakaro I have around that is um if you just picture your your um your whaka papa um in the tree, you know, if you think go sideways instead of up and down then you're going to create more impact with your whānau. So instead of just thinking, you know, me and my kids or me and my parents, if you go sideways and go to your siblings and their kids, then the impact's going to be far wider and it's also going to spread through theirs. So if your cousins are going to then, you know, share that with their cousins, it's just going to be endless. And so I think that um, getting on this this bandwagon I guess of of self-development and working on ourselves and it's just something that is going to be better for all of us and so you know I don't ever want to be someone who you know claims to know it all because I don't you know I'm literally 18 and still on this journey myself of of building things I recently quit vaping and you know I'm young and still still learning how to you know where I fit in in this world and and how things work like that and I think that if we're able to just commit to one thing Mm. throughout our whole life to work on you know so for me at the moment it's it's staying committing to that you know not vaping and just Mm. staying with that then that's something that you know if we're all able to just stick to one thing then once that thing is is done then you can move on to something else and if we're all working on one thing which we can improve then as a whole whole culture we're going to see some great improvements um some other things could be you know just starting that side hustle you wanted to start or if you wanted to start if you've you know everyone has that one thing they've always been I wish I could do that or I've always wanted to do that but I blah 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 you know if you just do one thing at a time you know it's going to be hard but nothing worthwhile isn't hard and so I think that's something that you know we should all be thinking about yeah and I and I guess to add on to that is also find like if when you're living your passion or you're living or working or doing what you love, there's a difference about going to work and 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 uh, what am I trying to say? Like there's there's a difference when you love what you do because you 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 will just turn up wholeheartedly and happy and stuff like that compared to if you are going to a job purely to pay your bills. And like you said, if if we aren't doing what we love then we're always going to struggle and the whare tapafa I it's the way you've put it is something that I've never actually looked at it that way and I teach the whare tapafa to all the teachers within my school and so but I come from viewpoints of uh giving our tawira the best and but not looking at the whole the whole uh, I think I do. I touch on it a little bit, but the whole health part, and if you're sick, then you're going to miss mahi, and then that's going to affect your finances and stuff like that. And and I guess with with now with COVID and the amount of our amount of people who have lost jobs or their hours got dropped, and and 
And then I've got a friend who teaches at high school and she's got students who had to drop out of high school to go and get a job to support their whanau. And, and so they, it's one of those things that you're, again, you're right. If we're sick, then, then everything gets affected. So the whole whare top of fire starts falling apart because then we're worried about money and we're worried about how we're going to feed our families or if we're going to help. And so then our heningaro goes because all that stress builds up and, and then our tinana changes as well because, again, the stress of not having money then affects the way we we look. And, the, and then one thing I've always told people is that you can always tell when someone's not doing well by looking in their eyes. Because our eyes are, the, are like our doorway to our souls, to our wairua. And so when someone is mentally not doing well, it shows on their face first and then it starts affecting the rest of their body. And it's one thing that I've learned from my tupuna is that that's, that's yeah, it's a, it's a never-ending cycle of, of mamai that sometimes we don't realise is happening and we've got to take a look at ourselves and, and go on that journey of finding, okay, who am I and how am I going to grow myself in order to help the people that I need to help? Yeah, and so I think as although you're young, there's a lot of people who will learn so much from you or who are learning so much from you because you put it in a way that allows, it sort of breaks down the, I don't understand that. Because, you know, when you think financially and you think investments and you think um, stock markets, so many of us don't know what we even to start or what it's mm-hmm. even about. And so the one thing I love about you is you break it down so and so simply. And I think that's an advantage you have because of your age. Because you're thinking about like people your age who might want to be, who might be on the same journey as you, but don't understand things. And then even for, for adults who might have started it late in life, you put it in such a simple way that it's easy to understand for everyone. And so, yeah, and one big thing is is all around age. It, uh, when we think about the Māori, tuakana isn't an age thing. Mm. Knowledge, a thing. And I love that you're willing to, to share your knowledge with everyone and to put yourself in this... Oh, oh sorry. Um, <laughs> to put yourself out there to help others to become better, not just not just financially, but also in their knowledge and being aware of what's happening in the world. Yeah, so I guess uh, this is one of those moments where I I know what I prior to coming onto having a quarter with you. There were so many things I wanted to, to talk with you about, and 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 it's just one of those things. I'm like, damn it, should have written them down. <laughs> um, <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> But I guess, again, it, if we look at, because um, you're studying law at the moment, uh, and one thing that you've you put out, I think it was yesterday, is that you got a scholarship that pays for your living costs. Mm. And so I think for, for most people, that's one of the biggest things is to try and keep a, a roof over our heads is because you get it for free and you said, that you choose to because if you went flatting and blah blah blah, you'll be paying 300 plus on rent and stuff. So if you look at 
for that and the money you're saving from not having to go and rent. Where or what does that look like for you in regards to where does that money, where do you put that instead of paying for a rent? Mm. So um, I'm quite transparent on my, you know, resources to um, about where my money comes from and how much I earn. And it's it's not to be whakahihi or anything like that. It's solely to share my experiences and and kind of help others to learn about it. And if mm. if I'm going to be called cocky for it, then um, heiaha, then, um, you know, I'm here to help and I just want to share mine. So basically I earn um, $200 a week through a part-time job at a law firm mm. and then... Um, my student allowance and then part student loan is 300 so that's $500 a week and um, as a student my costs are quite low Um, like you said I don't pay for my room because it's covered through a scholarship and um, I think one of the awesome things about being a student is that most people are um, living you know this frugal life and so you're not considered weird by continuing on with it but I guess as your degree progresses or as you get older you're encouraged to um, get into this idea of lifestyle inflation and for those who don't know it's basically when you as your income grows or as you get older you start thinking oh I need to start you know buying a flash of car buying cooler clothes or things like that mm-hmm. and so the mindset that I'm in at the moment is to live as frugally as I can for as long as possible so um I you know most of my friends they had cars in high school and things like that and that's that's like a really expensive um thing to be buying mm-hmm. at such a young age so I got a car off the side of the road um at the end of last year for $1,500, which um, is a lot cheaper than what other people would be spending on things like that. And I also think that some people will choose to spend all of their putia on something, you know, like a car just to fit in with their friends. So they have, they drive around in $10,000 cars, but they've got nothing invested and they have no savings and stuff. And so I think it's all about our choices and what we're willing to sacrifice for what we're going to have tomorrow. And so for me, it's that, um, you know, I don't care being judged that I still live in the halls in like my, you know, fourth year. I plan on living here until the end of my degree because it's the cheapest way to do that. And because your scholarships um, through the uni, they won't cover accommodation outside of campus. And so basically if I'm able to live here for free then I will for as long as I can um and so basically with the $500 a week I spend um a portion on you know groceries gas things like that and then the money which is surplus I invest in the stock market so I do that because I don't have quite enough money yet to enter the housing market (laughs) as we all know the housing market has (laughs) skyrocketed um and so that would be unrealistic for me at the moment to buy a fuddy but definitely something I'm I'm looking at towards the end of my degree or shortly after um lawyers start on minimum wage so (laughs) (laughs) don't think that once I've graduated I'll be um on the big bucks but 
um, I plan on buying a house. So basically in the stock market, there's managed funds which you can invest in and they have, they basically buy shares in different companies. So like the S&P 500 is one of them, which invests in 500 of the best performing companies in America, which means that you're basically going to be making money off, you know, the best performing ones. And so historically it's performed at a 10% rate. So what this means is that if you put $100 in, then over a one-year period, you're likely going to make $10. Um, But, you know, if you put $1,000 in, that's $100. And basically it compounds over time. So you're able to grow your portfolio and make money from money instead of trading time or your hard work or your energy for money you're going to be trading your money for money and so that's the end goal is to be able to have all my money in different investments which produce an income for me without me actually having to go to work each day and at the moment you know I'm I'm obviously young and I'm happy to be working I love I love law and I love the different ways I can um make an impact and I you know I love learning at this point in my life but you know maybe that will change when I have kids or when I'm a mum or you know when maybe when my mum's a lot older and she needs full-time care maybe these things will change and I just want to have the choice to be able to do whatever's best at that point so when I have a kid it might be better to you know not work at all or only work part-time and I want to have the opportunity to choose for myself to what I can do through that and I think that investing is the way to do that mm. if you if you could could you break down what sort of you invest into just just yeah. get an idea of what that looks like yeah so at the moment I have about seven thousand dollars in my KiwiSaver account so that's in a um, low risk um, fund and that's basically because I intend on withdrawing the money in the next five years and able to uh, in order to buy a property mm-hmm. and so it's if you want the money in there for a longer period of time then you can go into a high risk fund mm-hmm. um, and basically the relationship between the risk and return is mostly that higher risk means higher return and lower risk means lower return but it doesn't always work out like that um, but yeah, so mine's in a low risk fund because I want to withdraw it um, probably in the next five years. And then other than that, I have my KiwiSaver, which also has about $7,000 in it. And that is um, invested in the S&P 500 and then a, a range of New Zealand funds. So if you use sharesies you can just search like smart shares or something like that and if you click nzx at the top then it will bring up the new zealand ones and so these are basically managed funds which invest in companies which are performing well in new zealand and um so that's where another portion of my money is and then i also have um putia in my banking account which is called an emergency fund. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's, I have $1,000 in there. 
if I was older and if I had kids or, you know, something like that, I'd probably have more in there. But at the moment, um, touch wood, I don't have many emergencies happening. <laughs> um, and then also just recently I've started um, trying to diversify my putia, so putting it into different different um, avenues. So I've just started using hatch um, as well. So you share these hatch and I'm trying to just grow different areas where my putia is just so that it's not all concentrated in one area because um, if we think, you know, if if shearsies shut down or if if something happened that was, you know, crazy, we don't want to um, potentially have the risk all in one area. Yeah. And so that's my fakato around trying to move things around. Um, and so my, I guess I have a student loan, which is at about $3,000. And my fakato around that is that it's interest-free. And so um, each time I get money from student loan, as long as I put all of the money into an investment, um, in a low-risk investment, then I can make money off this money, which is free to borrow. Mm -hmm. And this is something called leveraging your putia. And so <laughs> leveraging is basically borrowing money so that you can make money from it. Mm -hmm. So different people have different facado around this. Some people hate debt and some people... Um, swear by it as a means to grow wealth but you know it's it's all up to your own risk appetite and what you're willing to risk for a potential profit so when you're young and you don't really have responsibilities I think it's a great time to you know be a bit riskier because you know what do you have to lose <laughs> but mm -hmm. when you're older and if you have if you have kids or a mortgage or something like that then it's probably a bit better to be a bit more mindful about about the potential risks but yeah like I said at my own age I can you know I have the potential to be a bit more risky with what I'm doing um yeah so it's kind of mixed across the different um areas and I think I can't remember off the top of my head it's around about sixteen thousand dollars my portfolio um, yeah. Trying to block that sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I think um if this stuff, like you said earlier, if this stuff was taught in schools, then I think the future generations would come out and go to uni and stuff like that, but come out with with a greater knowledge of what they're actually investing into, like how, how important it is to invest in yourself and in, into yourself, but also to invest in what potentially is your future. Like you said, when you become a mama, it would be great for you to be able to stay home and, and not have to worry about going like, where's the money going to come from? Is, is Papa going to have to work extra hours to help support or so I think, yeah, so there's so many amazing points that you just made in, in your corridor just then that I think, again, needs to be taught in schools. And at the previous school I taught at, financial literacy was a topic that we covered, I think it was once a year, but not to the point where as teachers we were teaching or we were trying to help our doida 
sort of better their knowledge and and money and stuff like that. It was financial literacy and what I know through what I've or schools I've worked at isn't what you're talking about. It's sort of like it from one thing that I've it was sort of a collective teaching thing where we looked at like groceries and stuff like that, which is cool. I guess. <laughs> and yeah, it's cool to know what you're buying and, and where that's coming from and the money and, and like the difference between buying at a supermarket and buying wholesale and stuff like that. But I think if we were to teach our kids about investing and and shares and stuff like that, then they'd be able to walk away feeling and actually go away and start preparing themselves for their futures like now rather than waiting till they hit mm. a certain age and then it's all of a sudden okay I've got a family now what am I going to do I need to work more I need to do this in order to put bread on the table but if we can prepare our kids early in life then they're not having to worry about that later on in life and one thing I started for my daughter when I became pregnant with her is I opened an account for her and it was just something little where while I was pregnant with her, I was putting as little as like $5 a week or $5 each pay into this account mm-hmm. that just to build up so that obviously once with the interest that gets added and stuff like that, by the time she's ready to buy her first house, it's there. And she doesn't have to go away and, and worry about, okay, where am I going to get the money from to get this house and blah, blah, blah and stuff like that. Yeah, it's one thing that's, again, that is definitely not taught when I was at school. And it's only over the last, I guess, um, the last year when I've sort of started thinking a little bit more financially and and looking at the NFT world and sort of thinking, okay, how how can that help me or help my whanau to get us where we all want to be or things like that and just learning a lot about things that I wish I had learnt as, as a kid mm-hmm. um, and obviously over the over years I've made bad choices and stuff like that and we go through that all the we time <laughs> life <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah it's just such an amazing thing to know that you're doing it so young but just how open you are about it and I and I know that you want to get um to make a what is it you want income coming in in seven ways that's one of your goals that you want to achieve so you talked about um you've got your study link stuff and then you've got so I think the last time the the last thing you had three sources of incomes coming in what is what is seven sources of income what does that sort of look like for you Mm, so um lots of books that I read around this is that the average millionaire has seven streams of income and these are from different um, income earning assets and so one of these could be um, owning rental properties which you um, receive you know rent each week from Um, another one could be stocks and you earn dividends from these so that could be number two Um, three could be owning a business and you make profit through your business um four could be um through social media you could use affiliate marketing so for um i'm not sure how many people know about this but basically if you have a link and someone clicks on the link or something then you can earn a commission or something from it 
Um, so it's four, five could be your nine to five job. So what you do during the day. Um, six could be a side hustle you have. So if you maybe run a blog or, a blog or podcast and you have sponsorships to do this. Um, seven could be if you write a book and um, each time someone buys the book, then you make money through this. So, you know, there's totally um, lots of different ways you can make money and it's just about being creative and feeling the fear and doing it anyway. So, you know, if you think that you're going to get judged for writing a book, you know, you probably are, you know, there's going to be people judging you for whatever you do. There'll be people judging you if you're, you know, broke as or if you're rich as and people think, oh, poo out. You know, there's always going to be people judging you and that's just about doing what's important for you and just sticking true to your goals. And, you know, there's been lots of people, you know, mock me about Māori millionaire and stuff like that. But, you know, it's just about seeing the bigger picture and it's like, you know, if they if they don't think this is cool, then, oh, well, you know, just keep going. Um, and I think it's just about who you surround yourself by. So if you're surrounding yourself by other go-getters, then, you know, they're going to be impressed by what you're doing, not judging it. And so it's just about, you know, finding your goals, picking your, or finding out what's your why, what's your reason to do what you do, and then, you know, just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and that's a massive point. Uh, so there was a couple of things in there. You're always going to have haters. Like, doesn't matter what you do, they'll hate you because you're not doing well, and then they'll hate you when you are doing well. Like there's always going to be people judging you and that's, that's well, it's not human nature. It's just how people are. And, yeah, yeah. but it's also sometimes those people are judging you because they want what you want or what you have, but they don't want to tell you that. Like mm. they see you and they watch you and, but in their minds, they're going to hate on you because that's just what they know. But then you're also, the other thing I liked that you talked about is having people in your circle that are going to either support you or they're there to boost you up and to tell you to keep going and keep pushing and stuff like that because it's those people who see the bigger picture and what you're doing as well and I think for for us as Māori we've sort of lost that whole sort of iwi uh, connection of if I'm again if I'm doing well then my brother's going to do well, my sister's going to do well, my auntie's going to do well, or whatever. It's it's a whole focus of bringing it back to our traditional thinking and building a pa or building a whanau that is all going to be do, that is all going to do good because I'm doing good, mm. which is something that you that you mentioned is to look sideways and, and help your siblings or your cousins and stuff like that because then that's going to help everyone else around them as well and you're just going to keep growing everything because you are planting a seed in someone else and they plant that seed and then it just is a continuous snowball effect and yeah it's it's something that definitely I'm still new in is the whole understanding investments and, and things like that and I know there'll be a lot of people out there who want to know more from you and I, I one sort of pathway that popped in my head is whether you know and this is just a random pathway whether you know how many Māori millionaires we have oh um no I don't actually um, 
Um, no, I don't. <laughs> that would be- it's just a random, random <laughs> stuff. Like just, just thinking about from your corridor, like, but even like looking at how many of our Māori have six-figure incomes or yeah. um, like... Well, you know, like any positive statistics with Māori, it's going to be painted as a very low number. Um, so, you know, they they're not going to bother to research this or, you know, get the statistics of this. You know, it's not really important to anyone, the positive statistics of, of Māori in general. So there'll be how many um, how many Māori are in poverty that will be on the internet, but not not how many millionaires there are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or it'll be labelled as, oh, they must have got that three drugs in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be um, Māori. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Marty makes a million dollars through selling drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it won't be, um, yeah, so changing the narrative is you know, something we, you know, we do. And if there's more multimedia companies, then we'll be able to do this um, more, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's definitely true. I think we've got to, we've got to get ourselves into those big, sort of arenas like the media where and that's one thing that well one of the biggest reasons why Māori television was started because we needed to get our voices on and if, um and was so cool watching back the was it 50s what the kairere and just seeing how much they had to fight to even tell our Māori stories from a Māori perspective rather than doing it from a mainstream viewpoint where they would come and just show the negative sides of mm-hmm. everything that was going on if you were to share sort of some tips or some advice for either someone who's looking at well not looking at someone who wants to start investing or start to change their story when it comes to finances and stuff like that what would some advice be from you to them for sure so I would look at the start as um look at your finances so go um, print out your last three months of your bank statements um, and highlight everything and just create a code at the top so um, you know yellows for necessities like rent and groceries and then green is for um, you know all those extra things you have and once you once you do this and you you have your calculator there and you add it up it'll be crazy um, the numbers you find and I think the first time I did this I found that I had spent like a thousand dollars on on takeaways in one year or something and you know it's something that you don't really realize because you know 20 bucks a week is a thousand dollars over a year mm-hmm. and so um, whilst that's only you know one or two combos or something <laughs> a year or um, something like that and so once you once you see how much money you're spending on things it's going to impact you and your your brain even if you have a big whanau and you're buying um, you know like the flash brand of toilet paper instead of the the budget one you know those small things they add up and so if you just um, take the time to create um, your basically stats of your own budget and then once you've seen where your money has been going, create a plan to improve this. So um, each payday, I, you know, I have my little goals. So it's kind of like a game for me when I go grocery shopping. It's like, okay, this week I'm going to keep it under $60 or, you know, um, and just 
create your plan for each week and make it realistic. I think lots of people are a bit hard on themselves and they they keep it too low and then they end up breaking it because, you know, um, the cost of living is high. So you need to remember that when you're doing your plan. And then once you've done that, if you if you go through it and realize that you don't have enough money to be getting by without using your credit card, then there's an issue and you need to either reduce something so um if you're who knows if you have two vehicles and you're paying for two lots of gas then there's something that needs to change but you know if you're living everything just basic as then um it could be that you need to increase your income and there are different ways to do this through you know side hustles creating a business on the side or or possibly asking your boss for a pay rise or changing jobs to a higher paying field um so step one would be to just go through your costs and what you've been spending money on step two to make a plan and then step three if you need more money then to find a way or make a plan to increase your income and then yeah I would say number four would be to research so many different things so research yourself and your relationship with money so if you grew up you know poor or rich then see what how that upbringing led you to what you do now so for example if you grew up poor and you're you're always scared you're going to run out of things so you you have this like hoarding mentality where you like buy heaps and heaps of like cans and stuff so that you never run out of food because you're scared of it because that's what happened when you're a kid or something like that just kind of like research these things and find out why you do the things you do so um for me it was that I was always scared of running out of money so I would keep heaps of money in a savings account because I was scared that like you know I wouldn't be able to pay for my phone bill or something like that and so you know just taking a look at why you do the things you do um research like stocks or what they are um on my website it's just www.maldimillionaire.com there's a beginner section and you if you read everything on there it goes from the start to the end you know there's like credit cards how interest works everything like that then I think these are great places to start mm. yeah no those are really cool those are so cool and and sitting down and budgeting is one thing that I've only started doing maybe in the last nine to 10 months and just writing like my income and then what where my money goes and stuff and then how much I'm left with and and doing that where I had to sit down and look at my finances and sort of break down where my money was going for the first time it was quite a scary thing and like you said it was yeah. quite, it's quite freaky and you're like holy shit I spend a lot of food on um, a lot of money on food that I don't need because I've got food in my house like it's all those yeah, yeah. things and and then just removing those what um wants rather than needs and and mm. and sort of looking okay if I buy those shoes in two weeks I didn't get that oh. could you try <laughs> like <laughs> they're not gonna it's not gonna make a difference if I save for two weeks and then I get them or wait till they come down or something like that and just just like you said not being too hard on the way you use your money because everyone has different situations and 
Um, and so those situations are going to, I guess, affect the way you do spend or the way you do use your money. And and again, like the the fakar of going back to looking at how you were raised and the way money was talked about in your home or the way you saw money used in your home, it's that's a massive thing that we've got to overcome. And if we want to make things better for ourselves, is we've got to identify, okay. That's how I saw money being used. My parents talked about it in a way where, like example, my parents talk, talked about it in a way where there was never enough of it or um, they wouldn't spend money because there was too many of you or you couldn't go to dinner because there was too many of you to take mm. out to dinner and it was going to cost so much and blah, blah, blah and all that sort of stuff. But that's a massive thing that I think we have to identify first. Otherwise, our spending is just going to, it's not going to change if we don't know why we do the things we do mm. yeah so I really love your your sort of ways of how of helping other people and and if we go on from from what you've just said and and thinking about I guess the things that bring you the most joy when you think about who you are Oh, <laughs> um, I guess that um, I'm very whānau orientated. So I, <clears throat> my whānau and tokoro, I go back all the time to see them. Um, and my nanny is about 87 or 88. Um, and <clears throat> we take care of her full time at home. And um, there's a lot of my whānau who are, spread across New Zealand and I guess they don't have the time or abilities to come home and see her as much as as you know they would like or something like that and so um that's something that's really important to me is whānau um and then hmm I think I think everything comes from whānau, to be honest, like, um, you know, your values and how you're able to operate and how you're able to give back to not only your whānau, but other whānau and just, yeah, I think it all comes from your whānau and, and what values they taught you. So my my nanny was always an advocate of, of tikanga and, you know, you use them no matter where you are, you know, don't go anywhere without kai. Um, yeah. And so I think even today, like, um, I had a friend ask me if uh, we were going to do a study in Kaisesh this week, you know, I said, what should I bring? She goes, no, don't bring anything, but I'll bring something because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my nanny's in the back of my mind going, don't you go there with no Kai guilt? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Fano just 100%. Um, yeah. I, I think that's, I don't know if that's a Maori thing or if it's just, how certain people were raised but even my parents were like that's so like you even if it's just a loaf of bread like yeah or you can afford you take something when you're yeah. going to someone's fire you, you don't never go empty-handed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah i don't know if that's a maori thing or if that's just certain people's values but my yeah my my parents were the same as well and yeah. i think that we do even to to this day is even if it's just a bread like that's all we can afford when we stop at the shop and pick up a bread and you turn up to 
someone's buddy and or just a packet of biscuits or whatever um yeah, yeah. that's that's oh man yeah that's so true <laughs> that is such a true thing and yeah Fano is definitely big for me as well and and but I think my views of what Fano looks like has changed and how I can help and it doesn't have to be financially like it could be with time like you said with your queer who lives with your whanau and you look after her like that's a massive thing is time is just as important as finances mm. uh, I think it's about balance too like um you know there's no point in having a huge as income if you have no time because you're not able to spend it or you know and yeah. then also if you have too much time but you have no money then you're just going to spend <laughs> all your time worrying about money so it's all about balance mm, it so is and and sort of last part though for you my last part though is what do you want others to think when they hear your name oh. <laughs> yeah. um, i don't know um Ooh, that's a tough one <laughs> um I don't know honestly because it's weird because you know um I don't know some people think like I'm a content creator now but like I've never thought of myself like that you know I'm just this you know just a small girl you know there's nothing you know that important but I guess Māori millionaire it just puts every all of my values into like one place and like growing a community where we can all develop and and grow together is is really important so I guess um if you think multi-millionaire then that would be nice (laughs) (laughs) cool and that's just sort of like a side part though but do you get income from your podcast like do you um at the moment I don't um I most of Māori Millionaire isn't very profitable um, at the moment. And and I'm trying to figure out how I can do this without bombarding my followers with, you know, ads and stuff because I don't want that, you know. Um, But I also need to find a way to make it lucrative so that I can continue providing resources for people. And so I'm just trying to work out how I can do that because, you know, I do spend a lot of time on it and, I do need to be able to create an income from it if it's going to continue to grow. And yeah, yeah. so I'm working on how I can do this. And yeah, what about yeah. you? Yeah, no, I don't. And that's sort of why I wanted to ask because because my podcast is sort of a, a link out of my consultancy business. Obviously, I'm going to have to travel a bit to go and interview people and stuff like that. So I've got, I'm going down to Rotorua next weekend to interview a, a lady down there. And so it's one of those things I'm like, oh, do I do the ad thing and sort of make money so that it's, my podcast is paying as well. And it's an income to help pay for these trips that I'm going to have to do eventually. And yeah, so it's, it's just, a, I, I don't know where I'm at with it at the moment. Like I, mm. I, it would be cool to have a, another income coming in, but then it's also like like you. I don't want to be chucking ads in every two minutes or however many it is. Um, and then there's the other option where you can do those private subscriptions where your subscribers pay to get private content or whatever. It's, it's Yeah, it's just one of those, I'm like, 
well, I'd rather just give everything to everyone and make it available for anyone to listen. And yeah, because this podcast is also, for me, it's getting my name out so that my consultancy business grows. And so the podcast itself is also so that I can use it as my name's getting out there. And so when I when I put my bigger goal in action, then I've got sort of examples of of what of what I've been doing and things like that. But I just thought I'd ask and, and see if mm. there was something you you were doing. Um, I think lots of the research I've done is that um that as time comes on, it's something that will come naturally and, you know, to not worry about it that much. And, you know, I'm not worrying about that much, I guess, as time goes on and, you know, both of our followings grow and we have more consistent viewers and stuff, then we're able to, you know, um, brands may approach us or something like that. And if it aligns, then that will, you know, happen naturally. So, Hmm. yeah. Well, um, E te rangatira anera ki mahi maoha ki a kuirungi te nei kaupapa uh, e pā naki te fakaro mo te moni, wow te puisia te um, me o kōrero pono hei afina ia tato i te iwi Māori o ngai Māori kia kia tayatu ki tau wahi kia kurimata e awangonga e m- Metafakaro more te I guess. Massive, massive, massive. Just thank you for jumping in today and just sharing your knowledge and your matauranga around how you are building yourself to become financially stable, but also how you're helping our Māori to become more financially free and using financial literacy to help build our Del Māori and Ngai Māori to where we've always meant to have been and going back to using your matauranga of, of Del Māori to grow who we are as Māori. I know there's a lot of people out there who would love to learn from you in a way where they don't feel dumb about not knowing or just just having a lack of knowledge around money and how it works and finances and shares and all of that sort of stuff. And I know that through your co-popper, you're going to help so many of our people get out of the rut that we've just been in for so long and that we should never have gotten into in the first place. I really look forward to seeing you grow, but also to see to see where your journey takes you in order to for you to reach that that level of being of having seven sources of income because I know like you've said that's not only going to help you that's going to help your whanau and the wider your wider whanau as well get to where they want to be for me personally I've loved reading and hearing your journey and just taking on little tips that are going to help me become financially free as well because that's where I'd love to be where I can just one of my goals was always to be a, um, a mama and just to be a mama but mm. situation in life didn't allow for that to happen and so just getting to a point where I would be able to be one day like just stay home and be nan would be really cool <laughs> eventually when my daughter's at that point in, in her life so 
yeah, I just, just a massive mahi to you for opening up and sharing things that I think a lot of people are afraid to share. Like I think, and it's not just Māori, people are scared to talk about their finances and people are scared to talk about the lack of money they have or to talk about where they've gone wrong with their money. And, and so I just love that you and your partner are both open to share your journey with others so that they can see, okay, I might not have much, but I can still build myself to be where I want to be by gaining more knowledge and learning from someone who is who is able or not able but more willing to share and open up and I think again it's one of those things that so many people keep to themselves rather than give what they the little things that we know or the many things that we know to help us grow as a people as well yeah so again just massive thank you for for sharing your story and uh, there's just so many beautiful things that are going to come from you and your journey that are going to just build again Ngai Māori and the iwi Māori to become the people we've always we've always been just through situations and things that was that that caused us to go down different paths from where we were meant to be yeah again just just in awe of everything that, you, that you're doing and everything that you're, you're yet to do. Because again, you are still young and there's so much that's going to come from you over the next 10, 20, 30 years and seeing where, even where you, once you're finished your law degree and just seeing that journey and how you, and I know that you'll also use that to help our people as well. So again, my ahoki a koe, e te rangasira, e te manawahine, nei rā kumihi nui, a kumihi aroha ki a koe, e te nei rā, e runga i o kōrero, e runga i tēnei kaupapa. Thank you just for sharing yourself and opening up with me today and sharing with my listeners that anything is possible. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me.